So once we start to begin to apply truths in a way by which we use them to reflect on the quality of our states, there's this tension that arises, and that's described here between the Hebrews. So you can think of one Hebrew is like our historical faith, and the other one can be new things coming to light through practice. And both are needed in the church, but they have to be brought into harmony and alignment. And isn't that our process, right? That as we engage with things, we struggle to see, well, how does this fit with what I've been raised with or what I know, what I'm taught, what others say? All of that's in the mix. But there has to be a move toward a living faith. You know, it's not enough to just have the truths of faith. These things have to become lived. Like, so there's an obedience aspect to it. So the truths of faith have to become the goods of faith. And that transformation only happens through practice. And that is what is saving because that is what saves us from proprium being the dominant factor in our life. That's what salvation means. It's about being delivered from the hells and the proprium is hell. So it's a shift in our sense of self that has to move to a recognition that the Lord alone has a self, right? So we keep coming back to this. And that is a first principle. And yes, we all acknowledge that that the Lord alone has life. And then we live our lives like we're the only ones who have life, right? So there's this contradiction that is for a long part of our lives is unseen. Because we acknowledge the truths and that is the Lord's presence in us, able to have those truths is something that we acknowledge, but we are yet to live from them. And first principles can appear to have a devastating impact on our perception of reality. Let's put it that way. It starts to unravel. And in that unraveling, it's like there's nothing to hold on to or there's very little to hold on to other than casting ourselves repeatedly back on the Lord to see us through or back onto the word. So the description of Moses here is that developing first principle level that's starting to rule, starting to exert an influence within the mind and start to reorganize it. So one of the things that was spoken about earlier was like when you're kind of lost in things, you just come back to, you know, the Lord's managing it all. Divine providence is over it all. That is a first principle. The implications of that in terms of how we live our life, you know, there's a lot to be unpacked so far as that's concerned, because it's one thing to say that the Lord is managing it all. And then we go out and we try and control others and control our life. So there's those two things are in conflict, right? But we don't often see the conflict. So there's kind of the usual kind of moral patterns that we live from, if you like, just to get on in society. And then there is what's arising out of our practice, which is giving us a different perspective on what it means to practice what is good and true in life. And those two things can be in conflict with one another because the first principles haven't yet been established enough in order to show how they are actually related. And so 
Moses here is the developing of that higher way of seeing things, but it's tentative at this stage. And so when it's brought to bear on, so talking about our own process, when it's brought to bear on our own sense of things, because what's been established, our religious ideas, our patterns of behavior, uh, what we've gleaned from our family upbringing and all of that, it's a very strong way of being in us. And when the word comes and starts to touch on that, there's this response from it that tries to call it as something illegitimate. And we see that like, you know, Moses wanting to reconcile the problem between these two and Moses probably expecting, oh, well, thanks, man. That was really good of you. Instead, what he gets is, who are you? Who made you a man, a prince, and a judge over us? So, you know, when the word, when truths challenge the way that we normally have been operating, that comes out of us. You know, who are you to lord it over me? That is what arises out of proprium in response to the word coming into contact with our sense of self. That's our response when truth begins to shine its light on something in us that we are still attached to in terms of our sense of self. So there's kind of a pushback against what the word is trying to open up for us. And what that is, is an attempt to just stabilize things. And of course, because the Moses faculty in us is not yet that well established and not fully developed, it withdraws. And so our old patterns come to the fore. And so you have this iteration going on whereby those older patterns have to be loosened up in order for what is new to become established. And so that tension that exists there is an exposing of how things are structured, how things are set up. And it has to happen in order for things to be broken down. I think in the story here, just something to point out is the idea of dealing with alienated scientifics or memory knowledges. So by alienated are those that are not connected to what is true. So it's just knowledge that has not yet been integrated into the life and can be used in ways that judge others, you know, self-righteousness, all of that sort of thing is tied into these alienated memory knowledges as such. And of course, the next thing is Moses flees the city, right? Heads out into the desert, basically. So there's this period where he separates off. And so that's more like it's not strong enough to be maintained in that place, in that state. So it has to be indrawn and put in a place of seclusion in order for it to develop more fully before it can return. And then the word then becomes the leading element in the raising of all the sons of Israel out of Egypt, out of the control of those alienated memory knowledges, what's termed alienated memory knowledges. So when things are being established, so they're not yet established, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable to attack, which is just the nature of the process. But what happens is, is that we can sometimes see how things that we thought were true, we discover are false. 
And that is the killing of the Egyptian or the returning of what is false back into its own place, which is to be buried in the sand. So it's basically about ordering things and they're falling back into place. So to see a falsity as a falsity is what casts it into hell. That is the casting of it into hell. Because if it is truly seen to be false, then it has no power. Falsity only has power when there's doubt around it as being true or not. And so we see that happening in certain areas of our life, but that can lead to things that are tied to our sense of self becoming unpacked and a little bit shaky, that our sense of self starts to feel like it might be coming apart. So when truth approaches, that is the experience of it. And the idea with Moses retracting is needed because there is the fear that we won't survive the process. You know, if these things are exposed, if the patterns I've lived from over the course of my whole life are exposed as something that I can no longer live from, then where does that leave me? And so there's a resistance to truth. And one of the things that stands out in that is that if you think about the Lord's birth into the world, in that story, what is higher when it comes into contact with what is lower looks illegitimate. It looks like something that's come to destroy. And so how can that be right? But that's coming from our own perspective of a life grounded in proprium. So it's all about the development of what can deliver all the sons of Israel, all those truths that are bound up in person, place, time and space, that they can be elevated and lifted out of Egypt and into Canaan and be established as a mind within which the Lord can be more fully present. So that is what is being prepared here. That is what is being outworked. So just encouraging you, whenever you come to the sacred scripture, it's process, it's process. It's all about the word in us. And really, ultimately, it is really just about the word, about the Logos, about the Lord and his divine human. That's what delivers and saves. So this is what it means to engage with the text, to participate in it consciously, so that a reciprocal relationship can be established. We can have our affections for truth developed and made much stronger. And as that process unfolds, so more and more of what we read in the word, we will be able to perceive as something applying inwardly to our own states of life.